0: And now I have the microphone on that's what that's why I 'm the communications director. I know how to turn a microphone on. Uh, so great to be with all of you this morning uh, as we gather for another great morning of Sunday worship. Um, uh, before we begin with our worship service, I just want to uh, give a few announcements about happenings in the life of our church. Uh, but first off, as usual, uh, we're going to put the check-in QR code up on the screen. It's also on that front page of your bulletin. You can take a few moments while you're here today to scan that QR code and fill out the brief uh, check-in form. This is a space where you can leave your name, your contact info, any prayer requests that you have. We look over this as our church staff every week. So this is a really great way to update your contact info for us as well as to let us know anything you'd like to communicate with us as a church staff. So you can scan that QR code um, at any point on your bulletin during the service and fill that out. That'd be wonderful. Um, We are, it is Palm Sunday today, which means this is the start of Holy Week, and I just want to reiterate uh, some of the services and events we have coming up uh, to commemorate this week. Uh, First up this week on Friday is our Good Friday service. That's going to begin at 7 p.m. over in Brown Chapel, just across the way. And so if you want to join us for that evening uh, reflective service, we follow the Tenebrae tradition where, as we recount the story of Christ's crucifixion, the sanctuary will gradually darken, and it's just a really um, amazing reflective service every year, so we hope you can join us for that at 7 p.m. on Friday. The next day, on Saturday, starting at 10.30, just out here in this outdoor area we call the Friendship Plaza, is our Easter Jam, which is our family fun activities. Uh, we have our egg hunt, we're going to have a bounce house, uh, face painting is a new addition this year, and so just some fun family activities for, for everybody uh, to uh, celebrate the Easter season. And so come join us for that on Saturday morning, starting at 10.30, uh, just out here. And then we'd love to have you come back for our Easter celebration on Sunday morning, uh, once again at 10.30, but we won't be in this building. We will move over into Brown Chapel uh, for that Sunday morning worship service as well. So hopefully we'll get to see you for Good Friday, Easter Jam, uh, Easter Sunday, all that stuff coming coming soon. And then looking uh, beyond Easter, well, I guess technically it does start this week, but it's not part of our Holy Week. It is a uh, pickleball. Pickleball is happening here at San Diego First Church, and this has been going on every other Thursday for some time, and we said We're not getting enough action. So we're going every Thursday, pickleball, weekly. Uh, It's quite amazing. We get to have this space at our church that can be our Sunday morning worship space and also three private indoor pickleball courts. It's like multifunctional. So it's really, really great. Uh, Come join us 6 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. If you've never played pickleball before, we'd love to teach you how to play. We have some uh, paddles and balls we can loan out to you, help teach you how to play. If you have played and you're good at pickleball and you haven't yet showed up, Come, I want to play against you. Let's see. Let's see what you got. So we'd love to have you come and check out Pickleball Nights here at SDFC. Um, for our next couple of announcements, I want to invite up a special guest here. Dave James is going to come up and join me. Let's give, let's give Dave a hand.
1: Good morning, church. Tyler, thanks for making sure the mic was on for me. I appreciate that. Um, just two quick announcements that I wanted to make. One is um, I feel very important for the men of the church. Um, we're going to have a men's prayer breakfast on May the 20th. So I wanted to give you ample warning to get it on your calendar. It'll be here, 8 o'clock on the 20th. Just a time for us to get together, share a story, share some food, sit across the table, and Introduce ourselves. There's people in this congregation that I haven't been able to meet yet, and I know that I'm a fixture around here. So that doesn't say very good things about me, but I'm working on it. So please, 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 come on the twentieth and get to know some of the guys that you fellowship with. The second thing is, is that if you notice, this setup that happens every week happens every week. Um, this building is used multi-purpose, not for just pickleball. There's Rock Academy does their basketball practice in here. There's some other things that happen during the week. So as you all help tear this down after Sunday mornings, which I really appreciate, we all really appreciate, it also has to come back together. And there's set up crews that we're forming on Fridays and Saturdays, depending on the week. And so if you can, When you fill in your QR code, please put something in there, say, hey, I can come once a month, um, give my time for an hour either on a Saturday morning or, well, it takes two hours actually almost, uh, Saturday morning or Friday night, and uh, help us out in that way would be extremely helpful. Um, Your pastor, some of the staff, those are the people that are helping set this up now and we need to take ownership of that and make, it, make that happen here. Um, and I love the way that we are all here in community and that we can sit next to each other. I love Brown Chapel for the reasons that it's Brown Chapel, but sometimes I have to put my binoculars on to see you from there and here I can, even though I did get cataract surgery this week, and you're a little out of focus, I gotta say, but you're still here, and I can still see you. So thank you very much. We love you. We love you being here. And let's worship together. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for putting those uh, set-up crews together. We appreciate all your help. Uh, let's begin with our worship service this morning. I'm going to invite Connie Campbell to come forward and, and read our call to worship passage this morning. So morning. Good morning. even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thanks be to God.
2: Thanks be to God. Let's stand together. Let us join in as we look towards Christ Turn. Things and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We put our trust and our hope in you, Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but it is Palm Sunday. And we always talk about the entrance of Jerusalem for Jesus. And we talk about this crowd. Oh, wait, there's a crowd right there. The crowd is coming through our church right now. Look at this! This is awesome. The crowds that went ahead of Jesus and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Wow, we are so lucky that the crowd is coming to our church this morning. Look look at that. Look how everything just kind of turns out like that. It's beautiful. Well, kids, you're doing great. Let's see those palms wave. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, we got some bigger kids, too, doing it. This is great. Oh, this is awesome. Well, We get to start the practice of our our praise and palm worship by wondering what maybe those hosannas sounded like when Jesus was coming through Jerusalem. And maybe they sounded like this. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all. the God, Hosanna in the highest, for he comes in the name of the Lord, yes, amen. And let's take our children, look at this, way to go guys, that was awesome. Well, as the, as the kids are putting these palms towards the front of the stage, I'll ask you to be seated. And as we continue our worship into Palm Sunday, it is so hard not to just look at these kids, they are just so cute, oh my gosh, what a gift this is for our church. It's awesome. Thanks, guys, for helping. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. As we continue our worship this morning, I want to invite you um, into putting yourselves in the feet of those that were in Jerusalem that day when Jesus came. Um, There's a couple different perspectives here. There were some people that knew exactly who Jesus was, as Jesus was the Messiah. And so they knew that hope was coming. They knew that light was breaking into the darkness. And then there were some people that had no idea who this Jesus person was. That they were looking at the people that knew who Jesus was and saw how much great excitement and hope there was. And there were some people that had no idea what was going on. And so that kind of looks like today as well for us as we are people that are aware of the coming of Christ and we live in a world that may not exactly know what hope looks like and what light looks like in darkness. And so today I wanted to paint a picture for you in this song that we're going to sing of what would it be like and what it was, what was really happening in that moment when Jesus was coming. What it meant for people that were enslaved What it meant for people that had no hope in the empire, that their life had no meaning to it, and what the arrival of Jesus meant for them. And what it means for us today, 2,000 years later, as we come together and we celebrate the coming of Christ. Our Savior's here, our wait is done. Grace and love will overcome. Our Christ to Jesus fills the road. With songs of praise and shouts of hope. Our palms lifted, our hearts given to you. Our praise. stand together and continue our worship. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Oh Jesus, we thank you for your life and what the incarnation means for us and the hope that it brings. Let us sing of it. Cry out, Hosanna. Save us, Lord. When there is no light to be found, may we cry Hosanna. When there is no hope for us, may we lean on you and cry out, Hosanna. morning, we have a wonderful opportunity to pass the peace of Christ to one another. And this morning, I would like you to have the mindset that Christ has come for us and Christ has saved us. And it is through Christ's journey of suffering that brings us here today. And the light of Christ is within all of us in the midst of our own sufferings. And so, would you pass the peace of Christ this morning. Let's find our way back to our seats at this church. First of all, we, we're, we're again so thankful for our kids to be able to wave palms for us this morning. Thanks so much for leading us, guys. And before you go to church, we all want to pray for you over um, what you're going to learn and how you're going to grow in children's church. So as a congregation, let's read um, and pray from Philippians 1 over our children. And this is our prayer for you, our children that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Amen. Thanks, kids. See you later. Now is a time of our service where we continue to reflect on the journey of Christ coming into Jerusalem led by our San Diego First Church Sanctuary Choir here today with some brass as well. And you didn't know this, but you guys will also be a part of the choir too. Look out for the slides. There are some that say congregation, and that is your cue to sing along as well. Thanks.
3: This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee, the word of the Lord.
4: Good morning, everyone. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is so good to be with you this morning. Especially on a Palm Sunday, I I just feel very privileged to be able to preach on this passage in Matthew. Uh, I am a native Californian. I was born and raised in Sacramento, California. I left there after 18 years, moved here to attend Point Limb Nazarene University, and haven't left Southern California since. I am just a true, through-and-through Californian. And uh, being born and raised in California, uh, going to school in the school system, my number one fear was earthquakes. I remember, as a child, um, I was nine at the time when the Northridge earthquakes took place. My uh, grandparents lived in Northridge at the time and they had damage to their house. I, re- I remember going through all of the earthquake drills in school of hiding under the, the desk or finding the, the door frame just to make sure nothing fell on me. I, re- I remember going every year through the paces of making sure that I knew exactly what to do and where to be when earthquakes take place. It's so my number one fear growing up as a kid, and uh, I still, right, like earthquakes take place here and now, and every now and then when an earthquake does take place, everyone just kind of freezes for a moment, right? And we often ask ourselves the question, what was that? As if it's kind of a rhetorical question of like, yeah, we're all frozen in place under door frames. We kind of know what's taking place. We're, we're seeing the stuff swaying on the walls, We know what an earthquake feels like, and yet our guttural response is, what was that? What's fascinating is that when we turn to this passage here in Matthew, that's what's taking place in the city of Jerusalem. That this question about Jesus, who is this, is the same question that we might ask in the middle of an earthquake. What was that? Who is this? What is this that Jesus is coming and doing. Now, uh, the gospel writer here is writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. And so when he offers this narrative, uh, narrative of Christ Jesus coming to the city of Jerusalem, the city of David, and that he is on a donkey and a colt, and I'm not exactly sure the mechanics of that, but he's riding these two steeds into the city, and the Jewish audience would have known that this is something powerful, earth-shaking. Because, as the text mentions, this is the sign of the arrival of the king, the long-awaited son of David, who is going to rule in Jerusalem, throw off the oppressors, and reinstate this Davidic kingdom. Here and now, the long-awaited fulfillment of this prophecy that Jesus has come as a gentle, victorious king. Now, to us as modern readers, we don't often pick up kind of what's happening in the background. And what's fascinating is that this is the week before Passover, And we can't just overlook that element of Christ's story, of this story in which Jesus is arriving into the city of David. A city that would have slowly started having uh, people coming from all over Israel into Jerusalem for the celebration of Passover. The celebration of when the people of Israel are liberated out of slavery, out of their oppress, uh, out from their oppressors in Egypt, and into new life. Into atonement, salvation. They're celebrating this, that they have been a freed people and that God has liberated them out from underneath oppression. And so, if you're Roman, and you're part of the Roman authorities, and you see all of these Jewish people streaming to Jerusalem to celebrate the overthrow of their oppressors, you might want to bring in a little bit more reinforcements. And so it would not have been surprising that Pontius Pilate, the governor of this area, would have had his own military parade streaming his military and the Roman soldiers under his authority into the city just to make sure nothing gets out of hand, that the the celebration of Passover wouldn't actually spill out into actual open rebellion against Rome. And so the city not just expanded into the Jews who were coming to celebrate Passover, but there was more Roman military presence in the area. Having Pontius Pilate come in, in his own military parade, having shown the might of the Roman empire, contrasting that with Jesus's entry into Jerusalem. Without a military, without really much uh, uh, internal fanfare, he's riding a donkey not a steed of the Roman military. And yet, that offers this response in the text, that those who were following him, those outside of the city who were streaming in to celebrate Passover and prepare for this celebration, they would have recognized the symbolism of Jesus riding in in this fashion. That this is a fulfillment of the prophet Zechariah, who said this is what's going to take place when the uh, fulfillment of the Davidic king, that promise, is to come true. And so they praise Christ coming in. And the, the way they're praising is fascinating, right? The, we've sung this morning multiple times Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which literally means save us, save us, son of David save us. And they're praising this as Christ is being ushered into the city. Save us. They recognize that this is the long-awaited king. And so, yeah, the city is going to be in turmoil, is going to be shaken, going, whoa, 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 who is this? What is this? This is the long-awaited king? What is happening? a city that Christ had not been to according to Matthew at the at yet this is his first time in Jerusalem and so the city doesn't know exactly who Jesus is and so they're shaken who is this coming in as if they are a king and we have to step back and recognize that as much as we want to like hem and ha about this Christ comes as a king That in this text, there is something deeply bundled with Jesus and politics. That they are wrapped together with who Christ is. That when they are praising Christ, coming into the city, their their proclamation, their praise is a political song. Save us. Coming during the time of Passover. Save us. Which always reminds me, where do I put my hope? What do I worship? What powers and authorities do I allow to have shaping my identity as a follower of Jesus? Who proclaims that Christ is my king? Who do I allow to govern my bodies, what I do in the world? Because this people are proclaiming a radical idea that Christ has come as king, rival to that of Roman authority. That when we worship Christ, what they are worshiping is Christ the king. And notice the response of the crowd that has been praising Christ the king. They say, oh, this is the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee yeah, yes, yes and. They get the right answer in that, yes, Christ is a prophet, he comes prophetically, and they don't fully get the answer right, right? It's uh, One commentator says, it's as if they know the notes of the music, but that they're actually not playing the music itself. They haven't played the whole story out. They see it, they know the answer, yeah, this is Jesus, the prophet, and they are praising him as king, but the the things haven't fully connected for the crowd and won't for some time, or at least post a week. So you've got this really interesting word picture of Jerusalem having turmoil over the identity of who Christ is, who Jesus is, wrestling with this claim to the Kingdom, being the king, the son of David, the long-awaited one, and this identity as prophet, one who is seek to provoke, to encourage the people, to be faithful to God. I think we miss just one more element of the story if we don't extend the text a little further, which, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21, and the text immediately after Jesus coming into, the, uh, coming into Jerusalem. This is Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12. And then, after coming right into the city, and then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be shall, shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children in the temple crying out, Hosanna to the son of David, these chief priests and these scribes They became angry and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? They're addressing Jesus. And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. And so he left them and went out of the city to the the city of Bethany and spent the night there right after Jesus has this entry into Jerusalem, right after the praises of these people, Hosanna in the highest, save us. He rolls right into the temple, the holiest place in the city, the, the place where the, Jew, uh, the Jewish faith and tradition that they believe literally heaven and earth meet. He goes there. He rolls up in the temple, and he notices that The ongoings of how we worship God have been commodified. That those who have come to reconcile their relationship with God, they have been put, there's barriers set between them and their worship of God. That those people have been allowed to set up a business, an economy that separates those from God. The worship has been commodified. And Jesus rolls in and says, "Mm, not in my house. And he starts pushing people out. And we think this is the most controversial thing of this passage, that Jesus rolls in, notices this commodification, this whole other economy that's been set up, separating people from the worship of God, and kicks them all out and drives them out. Whoa, look at Jesus' radical behavior. Who is this? I would argue that the more radical thing happens afterwards. When Jesus has pushed out all of these people commodifying and making economic good off of the worship of God, he stands in the middle of the temple and he heals the blind and the lame. And now, if if you've read the Gospel of Matthew or anything of what Jesus does, yeah, that's not surprising that Jesus is healing the blind and the lame. What's most controversial is where he's doing it. You see, in uh, the Levitical Code, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 21, it is clear that anyone who has physical blemish, who is blind or lame in particular, cannot come to worship God in the tabernacle or in the temple. They're they are disbarred. They cannot come. You are not allowed in if you are have some physical blemish. In the same way that they wanted uh, pure unblemished sacrifices in the temple. You're not allowed if you are someone who is blind or somebody who is lame. Somebody who doesn't fit the exact right physical specimen of what it is to be perfect, blameless before God. And in fact, David himself, after conquering the city of Jerusalem for the people of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 8, he says, no one who is blind or lame can come into God's tabernacle set up here in Jerusalem to worship. And the text says that David hates them. And Jesus rolls into the temple after being proclaimed the son of David, the fulfillment of what David was all about, comes in and overturns the law. There's no other way to say that. He comes in and brings in those who were disallowed from being there. Those who were blind and those who were lame. He healed in a place where they should not have been and could not have been for some time. Jesus breaks down these barriers and invites everyone to come. He invites everyone to come into the presence of God, to be healed, to be reconciled with God. There is no in or out. And this is why the chief priests are so mad. Not only that he's now proclaimed himself to be the the king of Israel, which would have, you know, messed with Rome and they would, they got to protect that but that Jesus comes in healing those who should not be healed according to the law, who weren't allowed here. Jesus comes in saying, no, all are welcome. All have the ability to come to be reconciled, to be blessed by God. And in this, We see the full picture of who Jesus is. This earth-shaking moment when he comes into Jerusalem, not just as some teacher, but he comes in as a king, recognized as a prophet, and then doing the work as a priest. This is why in the book of Hebrews, uh, the author there will say that Jesus comes as king, priest, and prophet. Because it's shown here in Matthew that Jesus' role is to function as this leader. Certainly, critiquing and challenging those leaders who would put their allegiance elsewhere that isn't God. Or who would bar people from God's presence and make a who's in and who's out list. Or, who would commodify the worship of God for their own gain. But this earth-shaking moment, this who is Jesus, doesn't find its fulfillment here quite yet. We see the role that Christ is going to play, that he is the true king, that he is the true prophet, and that he is the true priest. But that earth-shaking moment it's not here. It's on the cross. The same word that is used for describing the turmoil that the city was undergoing. That shaking is the same thing that takes place when Christ dies on the cross. The earth shakes at his last breath. And then the earth shakes again when Christ is raised from the dead. This is the full picture of who Jesus is. Who this is, is this prophet, priest, and king who has come to save us all. Save us all through the cross, through his death and resurrection. We cannot disentangle these things from who Christ is. He is the true king, the true prophet, and the true priest who comes to save us, to reconcile us with God, to govern us, and to encourage us to live out this life following Jesus, worshiping Christ and Christ alone. This is who Jesus is. This is who we worship, waving palms as he enters the city. This is who we worship, the same king who has the sign hung on the cross. The Romans put there, this is the king of the Jews who suffered and died and then was raised to life. This is not only who we worship, this is how we are invited into the body of Christ. That we, too, join with Christ. We, too, join in the work of reconciliation, of encouraging faithful worship, and encouraging the reconciliation of all in the world. That no one is barred. No one is set aside, is out of God's grace. So it's right that today we come and respond to Christ's identity as king and prophet and priest by coming to the table of grace. It's a it's a means of grace for us to participate into God's life, to remind us that It's on the cross that we are forgiven of our sins. It's on the cross that we are reconciled with God and that in the resurrection we are offered new life. So D, would you lead us at the table?
5: Thank you, Matt. What a powerful challenge for us. I don't know if you've been excluded from any table, but sometimes the invitation to tables is an invitation to identity, affiliation, associated. And that's the invitation this morning to the table of grace is to be identified as one for whom Grace is offered, forgiveness is given. We practice open communion here at the church. You don't need to be a member of this church. It really is just an invitation to those who would like to participate. In being part. Part of what Christ offers in a few moments, we'll have the ushers here and you'll come forward and you'll take uh, both the juice and the bread and take it back with you to your seat in the hopes that we could just partake together. If for any reason you choose not to, that is absolutely okay as well. This may be just a time of reflection for you where you think about these things, and that's fine. I hope that as the music plays, all of us will think and reflect on this. It is, for us, an important recognition of that gift that is given. And you might hear the language of, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of the new covenant. A covenant that is a reference in many respects to the radical obedience of Christ and the invitation for us to step into that place. Invitation to the table is not predicated on that. It is just the consequence of that. Jesus offers the invitation to all as a result of participating in a, a new identity, is an invitation to be in that place where we invite others to the table of grace by how we live, how we act, what we do, what we say. And that's part of what this is this morning. So I'd like to offer a prayer and then have the ushers come forward and we will distribute the elements. Oh, Lord, may you sanctify these elements, may they be for us. This newness of life. An invitation to be part. Of the table that you offer. Your radical obedience inviting us into radical obedience. It really upsets the kingdoms that are inside of us. As well as ultimately the kingdoms without. May it begin to shift the place of power, the source of direction, the hope of life. May it invite us into a place of deep, profound belonging to the King of Kings, to our Savior, our Redeemer, our Companion, our Guide. And so, Lord, may these elements lead us closer in our walk with you, we pray. Amen. I invite the servers to come at this time.
2: groaning, we are longing for your kingdom to come. All creation, all of heaven, join their voices as one. God, let your kingdom come. May your kingdom come god let your kingdom come Let your kingdom come, may your will be done, God let your kingdom come.
5: The radical obedience of Jesus to the Father's will leads to the radical act of inviting all. into the holy space of worship, everyone, you and me. Jesus, with the disciples, took the bread. He gave thanks, knowing all that it represented, including his own sacrifice. Broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. We take in remembrance of our Lord. In a similar fashion, he took the cup, said, this is my blood. It is the blood of the covenant. The covenant. You've been invited to the table. Now we are called to invite all to the table. We take in remembrance of our Lord. Lord, there is no doubt that there are times where we have been those who have excluded others from the table that we've been at. Feeling that we have earned or deserved and somebody else has not earned or has not deserved. What a radical new way of living out a life where you as king set up a kingdom of which we are a part and of which all are invited to partake. What an amazing banquet. What an incredible life to try and live this out. And we confess, Lord, we are incapable of doing this very thing. And so your promise to dwell with us, to dwell in us, to remind us daily of what you have done so that we might be part of this covenant of radically living toward others as you have lived toward us. So may your kingdom come. May your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, in us and through us, That is our prayer, O Lord. Amen. Amen. Wow. I invite you to stand so that I might offer a benediction over you. We certainly appreciate your help in beginning to transform this room, but that's secondary or tertiary or quadruple area, whatever it is. Most important is just enjoying each other. Letting others know you're glad that they are here. So take as much time as you'd like to fellowship, to be with each other. And may that grace and kindness spill out of this place, pour out into the sidewalks of this week in your life. In the marketplace where you become a purveyor of God's goodness and grace, where love prevails, and where we live a life where all who are invited... To the table are all those with whom we come in contact this week. May God give you peace, power, and strength to live that extravagant way in Christ. God be with you. Have a great week.